You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Welcome to our first inaugural podcast for Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC specific podcast covering all things Rhode Island FC. Jason, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing, buddy? I am excited. We have been working on this for a while. Uh, Getting the logistics set up for starting a podcast is no small feat, and especially if you want to do it right. Uh, we eight hope- years in the making. Eight- <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just about as long as I've had this equipment. Um, so you know, we're finally those those two guys that have said we should make a podcast, and uh, and look at us here we are, living the dream every day, every day. So um, for those of you that are just joining us, we we thank you for coming in and and you know participating in this somewhat of a social experiment. Um, we're really excited to start bringing Rhode Island FC content uh, to the masses uh, and hopefully being one of many voices that help you consume, um, you know, soccer product here in Rhode Island. And I think it's only fitting if we start things off with the thing that we hear the most so far about this club, and it's that the stadium has been delayed again. For the, what, 72nd time, I think, at this point? Yeah. What are we, are we looking at 2073? We're going to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> when the stadium's finally actually there for us to play in. Yeah, when Messi's great-grandchildren is ready to, to <laughs> move over here to the league. Well, it would be Ronaldo, right? With the Port- you got you to make okay. the Portuguese yeah. connection there. Ronaldo, yeah. Ronaldo will be the one with. He probably actually already has kids here. If you think about it, he probably did a, a tour Ooh, yeah. at one point. You know, <laughs> saw one of the the many fine ladies of Providence and said, "Hey, I'll uh, I'll hang out with you for the night." So, but uh, yeah, so the stadium's been delayed. Uh, you know, WPRI broke that the um, construction crews have used up or exhausted all the initial um, private capital and funding that existed to kind of kickstart the work on breaking the ground and getting that infrastructure in place. And because there are city and federal grants that were kind of in combination with the rest of securing the private capital needed for the construction of the of the park itself, there's there's now been delays. The construction crews are are moving on to other projects in that, you know, in this time period where they can get paid and, you know, do their work because they, they got to take care of themselves as well. Um, you know, when I read this the first time I had a little bit of panic, you know, I think the first announcement of these stadium woes started in March, uh, relatively close after they announced, uh, coach Kano, uh, for the team. And the, and you know, the first time around it was like, Whoa, like what have we, what have we attached ourselves to? Like, is this actually a, a real thing or was this a, was this a fever dream? You know, was this something that is, is a nice to have, but may not come to fruition. And then, you know, the, the president dispersed the, or, or, you know, quelled the, the concerns and the, the call outs that, you know, there was risk for the club to not start. Um, and that the stadium, you know, with these woes was still on track as they had estimated, but you know now, I think this is honestly like the 
ninth article that a you know major publication uh, or news agency has, has published about you know continuous stadium disruption. So like I have to ask you, as our episode one commentary here, like is is this is this something you think we should be concerned about? It's not looking good, is it? Um, did you see about this guy who's part of the development team, Brett Johnson? Yeah, yeah, he's one of the he's one of the major players. So did you did you hear about what happened with him and in Tucson? No. So he's already tried to set up another soccer stadium back on the in Tucson, and it seems like a lot of similar things happened. Guy was making a lot of promises, and a lot of it kind of went sour, and eventually the the team did not even make it into the USL. I think they're like an amateur team. Oh, so this isn't even this wasn't even like the Phoenix Rising project. No, 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 no. There's, there's a completely separate team down at down in Tucson. Interesting. So, I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't give me a lot of confidence. <laughs> So you know to to be the foil to to your investigative journalism there by the way spot on because I, I don't think I've heard that in any of the kind of social commentary so far is I feel like Rhode Island as a as a state Pawtucket as a city have kind of already tied themselves to this tree where they need this stadium deal to be done. There's there's collective assets that have already been secured through you know, again like state grants, federal grants, um, and that you know that final portion or push really was just coming from a partnership with the city's execution of their of their kind of tax plan and and the levies that they were going to kind of try to you know adjust to to make this happen. And I think it was that last piece of public outcry that was like you know it, it's. It's very fresh in the in the eyes and minds of Rhode Islanders what happened to especially Pawtucket with the Paw Sox. You know, they the one of the oldest minor league baseball teams just uproots themselves and moves and they and they don't move across the country, right? Like they just move up the street to the the sexy new ballpark and and that was a concern. It, it was and then, you know, Rhode Islanders are a lot of things, but they don't forget and they don't forgive. And so, you know, I think it's not uncommon to hear the word, you know, Paw Sox right now, like McCoy Stadium, be synonymous with the, the status of, of Tidewater. And, and that's a concern because when you think about what needs to happen next, like no matter how good this club will become, without a stadium, it's, it's not going to be that final product. You know, we can play our first few years and when I say years, I should actually call that back to just one year and say we should be playing one year in, in Bryant College and then be moving into our, our pretty new home. But, you know, if that's not the case, there's there's trouble ahead. And I have not heard anything from the club after this most recent announcement the first time around. And I think maybe the second time they were quick to address like, hey, yeah, this is a part of the natural progression of what's happening and they're, they've been really radio silent. I think it's been over a week now since that news broke and the club hasn't made any kind of announcement. And, 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 you know, maybe that's a good thing, right? Maybe that's one of those things where when you look at it from the, hey, we're dis, just discrediting this or we don't even have time to respond to this because it's that ridiculous. Um, maybe that's the approach that they're having or maybe it's in a panic mode and they don't have a response because they really are in kind of these 
uh, interesting moments of, of trying to figure out how to make their business, uh, you know, work. But uh, I, I'll tell you this, man. I'm getting tired of hearing about stadium woes. I, I really want to see us finalize that capital, get the extensions on whatever lines of credit are needed, and just, you know, lock this up because the longer we don't have that stadium, the more likely we will not win in terms of creating the community and culture that I think they're after with this very ambitious project uh, out the door. What are, what are your kind of final thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's understandable to say, hey, like, stadium's not done. We're working on it. We'll get it done in a year or two. But it, not even having, like, having to pull back because of funding and then also the... Um, the contractors are in a like a demobilization mode where they're actually taking stuff off because they're just they're they're stopping working because there's, there's nothing there's no to money. Do. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing to do. There's no money. So you know, like don't want to go into panic mode, but it, it doesn't look good. And you know, you bring up the, the paw socks and you, at some point if there's no stadium, like does do the does the ownership group like look elsewhere? Like, you know. <laughs> so Brett, Brett Johnson will just move on to his next. His yeah, next, I don't uh, know. Whatever. It almost sounds like you're believing he's a, a snake oil peddler, right? Just comes in like, look at this. I got Maybe. this thing for you, <laughs> just, and then, all yeah. right. Well, I hear Detroit City wants the the next hotness. So, yeah, just going around getting investors, making a mess, and then just saying later. I you know I think, you know for and for those listening that are new to this, you know we're not trying to be cynical we're just trying to have that constructive moment here where I, I think it's different for Rhode Island FC because when you look at the names that are attached especially Michael Parkhurst like he's a he's a Rhode Island native right and he has spent his entire career as a as a domestic player right was never in the top uh, pantheon of contributors to MLS records but he's one of those most you know stable guys that you know performed well across all the different leagues that he participated in, whether it was the collegiate system or it was you know MLS itself. Um, and after he was done, you know he could have done anything else. I mean, yeah, he played with the Revs, but he also played for the Crew, and he I think he ended the career his career in Atlanta when they were at like their hottest moment, right? And he chose to to come back, and this is where he wanted to start it. You know, I, I look at USL as a league right now, and they are expanding, not like crazy, because that would sound almost that it's irresponsible with their expansion plans, but they're doing it in the right pace and the right capacity. And I'm sure there were other markets that he could have easily said, hey, this is where I want to put a team down. But he went back to his roots, and he believes in the New England product that produced him as a soccer player. Uh, and I think he wants to give back to that kind of momentum so i i don't see this as i see the heart and soul of of this project as being you know from rhode island for rhode island um and i i'm hoping that you know it's not a capitalistic sensational push to just develop properties in the area and then and then move on i don't, I don't think that's what this is and also i don't think that you know rhode island's willing to take that chance on it either so again all parties kind of just have to really get this right um to deliver an exceptional um, experience and, and product on the field for for Rhode Island, and yeah, with a big big decade coming here for soccer in the U.S. I mean, this is like the perfect time. Oh, I'm so glad you touched on that because 
either you cheated on the notes or we're just we're <laughs> completely in sync here. I can't think of a bigger moment for soccer in the country than this decade. I mean, th- what they just announced now that we're going to also be hosting the FIFA World Cup and uh, the FIFA, excuse me, the FIFA Club World Cup. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. I, as soon as that got announced, because we've never participated in it as, a, a, as any product of American soccer, people were asking like, oh, so that means all of our teams just are going to be playing in this in this league. And it's like, that's not how that works. Um, but, but again, it's because of the, the lack of us ever reaching that top flight of, of football. So you've got, what is it? So, I mean, if you run the numbers, right, you've got leagues cup, which just wrapped, you've got the gold cup, which we'll have again, three more times. And we're at like the height of American firepower right now. Like the day and age of Mexico beating us is gone. Like we're in, we're not even in dosisero territory anymore. We're in tracesero territory <laughs> with multiple red cards getting flung around. Um, you've got the World Cup, obviously the biggest center of attention that you'll ever see. And we've got 2024 Copa America being here in the United States as well. Exactly. So you've got the Copa. You've got the Club World Cup. You've got the women still on a tear defending you know, their multiple championships. With their, their World Cup starting here this next month. Right. Right. So like... And you know, and then of oh, course we have to announce... We, I mean, oh, yeah. We have to say it. Messi's coming Messi. too. Yeah. Messi's here. And you know... <laughs> we talked about this before the show, but if you had told me that there was a chance that Lionel Messi may draw in an open cup game to play at Bryant College in 2024, I would have I would have said no way. You know, I would have I would have put it all on black and let it ride, you know, thinking that that was that was a sure thing. And now I don't know what is up, I don't know what is down. The universe is in a complete state of chaos, Messi's arrival is going to single-handedly lift MLS up onto a golden platter. And like everyone that has been invested in that league since its start in the 90s is just going to be making money hand over fist. Um, it's insane. And, and, and kind of real fast to, to finish up, on, finish up on, the, on the Messi piece there, you saw the contract details, right? Um, I mean, fifty something million dollars. But did you see the mechanics for how it would it would work? Mm, I, I've seen a lot of speculation. I don't know if I've seen the official word. So on yeah, it. there's no official word yet. You're right. This is still in the in the realm of of speculation. But the fact that he's getting a percentage of the Adidas uh, jersey sales um, to make the, his contract whole, and then also you know that sweet sweet cut of his Apple TV money, which nobody knows how profitable that has actually been as an experiment between MLS and Apple. Um, it's just the fact that he's coming and he's going to be making all of this type of money. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to be celebrated more here than he has been in any other place. Because if you think about all the other countries that have seen him, they've grown up with him. They've been accustomed to him. We've all wanted to see him for, you know, since the dawn of, of his career and now he's finally coming here. I mean, you, you we talked the the ticket prices. What what were the what were the final ones you saw as numbers? I mean, it's not some of the lowest ones, but like people were selling tickets for 1200. I mean, we've saw some for 500. They're kind of all over the place. That's like early entry Taylor Swift money. <laughs> like that is like the ticket master, you've got the secret coupon to access it. 
That's insane. I can't think I've ever spent more than $40 on a ticket uh, for any soccer competition outside of maybe like the national men's or national women's team. Like that's, that's insane that that's the kind of revenue he's going to jump onto. And, you know, USL, they're, they're going to benefit from it, right? There are going to be players that want to move through the system who want to, um, you know, try to get exposure in this time period while all our country is more aware of soccer, you know, now more than ever. And it's just a, it's a really good time. So back to Rhode Island FC, which is what we're here to talk about. They've got to get this right. They have to capitalize on this lightning strike and take full advantage of it because if they don't and they come in late, later than, than what's already showing up, they're not going to be able to, to take advantage of, of those moments and like, look at Boston, you know, Gillette will be a World Cup site. You don't think that clubs won't be flying into TF Green and, you know, maybe taking advantage of the facilities at, you know, Tidewater if it's ready before 2026. Like, that's a, that's a really real thing, like to watch practices or exhibitions or warm up play before they head over to Gillette, which, by the way, turf stadium. I don't know. I don't know. The, I haven't read the rules of what World Cup will require, but I thought they all required grass so maybe Gillette will get a makeover at that point for the world cup yeah i don't know they quickly throw some grass over it and just say hey here you go isn't that the most dangerous thing though like when the grass is loose over like don't doesn't it need a significant amount of time i'm not a grass man i am not i'm not the i'm not the greensman either (laughs) (laughs) to do some research on this i think just about every plant i uh even try to keep alive just dies i've got that i've got that touch so we'd have to find out more but but yeah so back to it you're spot on like this is what a time to be alive uh to participate or watch or be even remotely interested in in soccer inside america right now so having said that and knowing that the stadium may or may be at risk and we really don't know that do you think this will impact the prioritization and objectives of the club? No, I, because we're, we're going to be a new product in a new market, you know, like step, step aside from the cynicism. Like I'm excited. I imagine a lot of other people are, it's going to be, you know, the new shiny thing. The thing is, you know, people, generally will be somewhat accepting of a new team, but there has to be some sort of excitement and have to, some results, you know, like give, give time to grow. But a few years down the line, if we're still waiting on the stadium and the team is not doing well, you know, then, then we'd not be in a great place. So you, you think that this will come down to the results at the end of the day? I mean, not right off the bat. To begin with, you know, it's the new thing. Go out, support your team, get to see local soccer, you know. But, at you know, a few years down the line, if the results aren't there, then people might just be like, yo, revs are just down the street, you know. That's interesting. I I don't know if I agree with that. I think that there's a certain amount of, I mean, there, there's a definitely a, a diehard loyal, uh, loyalty mentality in New England, right? Like, 
like look at the Patriots. You know, everyone is still a, a Pats fan, you know, but they also were like maybe a Buccaneers fan for a moment in time when Brady was in Florida. They would never say it outright, but like they'd watch the games and do like a silent golf clap maybe when no one was looking. I I think that the Revs are too big for New England to be shared in the capacity of like it's something unique for the state. I I've always questioned when I discovered where New England actually played because when you know I'm, I'm when I first learned of it I was like oh they're playing like in Boston right because everything is centralized into Boston and I was I was too naive too young to understand that like no we, they actually play in Foxborough like well, where the heck is that oh that's basically oh you know an hour away in terms of where you get accessibility to it. It's closer to Providence, I think, than actually Boston. It isn't a weirdly central location to kind of, you know, like, hey, it's, as as the name, it's for all of New England as opposed to, like, it's Boston's team. Right. But, but again, it's synonymous, like, Boston's kind of the heart of New England in that way. And I, I just think it was a tremendous miss for us to not put, like, any kind of, professional sport not saying that you know the friars or uh the providence bruins you know or even the paw Sox, like those don't count but it like i just feel like providence deserves its own thing and by extension rhode island right like something that is exclusively for us and not needs to be shared with the rest of new england and so while while the revs are definitely not far away I feel like there's definitely a void. I mean, you've you've heard the old saying of like, if it's more than 12 minutes, pack a lunch or, you know, I've seen those people with the bumper stickers are like, I never leave Rhode Island. That's what this <laughs> club is for, right? Like this is for that person. So I think there's more than enough opportunity and it shows it's reflected in how many season tickets have already been you know pre-purchased. I, I don't know how many will be converted to actual like memberships now, especially with the stadium news. Um, or like the delays in general, but you know, I, I, they did their research, whoever it was that, you know, put this plan together, if it was Brett or Brett or, or Michael, like they, they didn't come into this as just like, Oh, we've got a bunch of money and you know, a a dream. It, It was, it was definitely technical. And I think that this can be very easily sustained by the state. And so to that point, when you have that kind of loyalty and you have that kind of desire, I don't think results matter as much. I think the entertainment no. value. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't mean to say right off the bat, right? Like of just thinking down the line coinciding with you know not not having the shiny new stadium either. You know, if we're not doing so hot, but then boom, the the cool stadium opens up like you know, that gives you more time, right? Especially if it's it's, you know, really nice fun place to go. And and that's and that's what I think it is. I think if you deliver on the experience and the games are at least entertaining 50% of the time. I don't think it's about championships. I want championships. The competitive side of me wants to see us get hardware as soon as possible. But I think to the average fan or the fan that you have to win over in this world cup period of like soccer is a fun and attractive thing to go participate in. I think that's what you have to deliver. And I, I also think that's what like the most successful USL teams um, and even some of the n- most recent MLS expansion teams, which, surprise, were USL teams at one point, 
that's what they're delivering on. You know, like some of them have come out the gate and they've just been losers. They've been getting been been beat up by MLS teams. St. Louis City is probably the only exception to that rule so far coming out with just a gangbuster of a year with relatively unknown players. And and so to me, it's really about the community getting built up, getting the excitement, maintaining that excitement and delivering some sort of version of an entertainment. Because at the end of the day, you watch a sport because you either are the ultimate diehard and just believe in the, the pain and the excitement that comes with that, or you're looking for something to like take an hour off of your mind and you know, you're bored or you're looking for that excitement. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of fans crop up as a result of that. So having said all that, let's, you know, we, we, we can't just deep dive into Rhode Island, right? We kind of, we, we have to, we have to start at the beginning and kind of look back Dial it back. You got to dial it back. Um, and so what's really interesting is is in some of the homework that I did for understanding kind of what was the, I don't know if you want to say the, the pedigree or the the predecessors of what had been before Rhode Blue Island Prince. FC. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. I didn't I didn't understand how much soccer has been ingrained inside the kind of you know the the DNA or the nucleus of of Rhode Island uh and and New England to a little bit of an extent as well uh when it comes to soccer um so you know when we talk about soccer and we 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 try to dial back that far the first thing that should always come up in people's minds is is the US Open Cup and for the uninitiated it's it's I think America's I, I think they've proclaimed this I don't know if there's a fact out there that would contradict i I didn't vet this so if there's any if there's anyone out there say you know call us out in our socials that we got this this comment wrong but uh i believe they are the oldest continuous uh tournament uh in existence within the country um they've been running for over 100 years um i think 1914 was their start date and with the exception of the pandemic um they've been in continuous um you know, running even through like the world wars and, and all of that jazz. So what was interesting is, is, you know, and, and Jason, I'm going to put you on the spot here. First of all, do you know how many titles the most winningest club in the tournament has for the U S open cup? I don't, I'm just going to throw a guess out there. I'm going to say like five. Oh man, you are either psychic or again, cheating off of my notes i'm not sure which but i'll uh i'll accept it either way but yeah it's five so no club has won more than five um and that privilege is actually shared amongst three teams uh it's shared by maccabee los angeles bethlehem steel and then more interesting uh fall river fc or the fall river marksman and for those of you that you know are younger or don't know the history lessons of of rhode island and massachusetts and that relationship at one point, Fall River was um, very much a part of Rhode Island. And then, like any mobster-lobster deal, we said, hey, we don't want these guys no more. And uh, we made some land trades and uh, picked up some some upgrades and, and ditched out some of our, our lesser areas. But, you know, definitely a part of New England, definitely a part of Rhode Island at one point. And so they have they have five wins. And they, they tie for first place over 100 and, over 100 and you know, is that that's almost 110 years yeah uh, that, there. that's insane but 
But to go even further with the history and, and pedigree of the U.S. Open Cup, the first Open Cup ever was held in Pawtucket. And of the first four, three of them were held in Pawtucket. So like when we talk about, again, like the origin stories of soccer, it very much is alive in Rhode Island. And I think that's something that really, you know, when you reflect back, that, that to me, that's, that's an almost an honor, right? Like that's the legacy that Rhode Island FC is going, to, um, is going to have to carry on now that they are a soccer team in Pawtucket that will be carrying on that, that legacy. And, uh, and furthermore, with the USO Open Cup, you know, there were also multiple teams within Rhode Island that used to compete back in that day. Um, and what's interesting is we only won it once in the Pawtucket City proper uh, with the Pawtucket Rangers uh, back in 1941. And that was the last time we also saw the Open Cup in activity within, within the state of Rhode Island. So it's been a while, and we got to get back to... Excellence, and you know what I'm saying now. Predictions here, 2020, 2024. We're gonna win the whole thing. Open Cup. Here we go. We're gonna beat Messi. I like, I like the confidence. We're gonna beat Messi in in Miami because you know they'll 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 sponsor the the end end experience. They're not gonna come up here and play in Bryant, uh, but we're gonna beat him. And I'm gonna say it's uh, we'll be fair. Messi is probably gonna score like one or two, so it'll be three two. Ninetieth uh, minute goal. That's my hot take. Put it on the books. Call DraftKings. Let's get this. <laughs> I want to get this bet locked in now. But uh, but yeah. So, what, what like what are your what are your thoughts on that? I mean, did you even follow the Open Cup? Like, I, I know that as an MLS watcher, is that ever like I mean, on it, your mind? I I watch them, you know, but occasion more often than not, you find that MLS teams, in my experience, don't always take it too seriously. It's like whoever happens to just get to the end, they're just like, oh, okay, cool. I guess I'll just win this. But yeah, it it doesn't seem to be taken too serious most of the time. So I've enjoyed some of the matches, but I, I can't say I've followed it too too closely. I always love when you get to like the semis, if there are USL teams still in. It, I, I follow them like you would follow like the relegation story in any other soccer league in the world. It's like, oh man, can Birmingham Legion make it all the way? Like how far can they Yeah, go? it's all, it's always a great underdog story to see them far similar things in, in other leagues when you see, you know, it's like, oh, semifinals FA Cup, Luton Town is here. Like how did that happen? <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, now that we are rooted in USL, uh, I I expect to be following that Open Cup a lot more seriously. That, that in some ways will become the Cup Finals for us because when you think about it too, the USL, um, they're... Their system is is not um, similar to the MLS at all. It's not quite the the same as um, uh, what other leagues do. But like then again, too with MLS, like they've changed their rules for their own cup many a time. So it'll be interesting to get back into like a more pure soccer format um, from that standpoint. So I'll be I'll be I'll be all in on watching the U.S. Open Cup and just tracking the teams. Um, Speaking of the teams, do you know a lot of the teams that exist in USL? Have you followed any of them in the past? Um, not not so much in the past. Um, you know, in in my excitement for for our new team here, 
Uh, I've started watching some USL. I've known a lot of the the team names. Um, occasionally see like, oh, hey, what's that guy doing down there? You know, like some a well-known player, maybe towards the end of his career or something. But yeah, I've just I've just kind of you know got my interest peaked and and have started uh just checking out some matches, finding them to be uh pretty entertaining. I've I've started watching them as well, and and like not just the highlights, actually watching the matches. Oh yeah, and what I've noticed is the goal scoring is at a greater level than I think what the top flight like American product in the MLSL, the MLS produces. I, I, I don't know how exactly to quantify it, but like where a, maybe a, a game in MLS will go 2-1, that same game in the USL will go like 4-2 or 5-3. And, and I hate to be that guy that's like, oh, soccer puts up too few numbers. And, and I'm not trying to be that guy, but like sometimes it's just fun to watch like five five goals go into the back of the net yeah i mean it especially if you've got no foot in the game you know just like sure just but so they're not but they're not always blowouts either like they're they're both teams seem to be competitive enough to put numbers on the board it's just like maybe the defense is like maybe the style of play is like hey like again we're putting on an entertaining product so you know hey you defenders maybe Maybe just don't jump on this header, you know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, how to I would, it. I would think that it'd be from a realistic standpoint, right? The league probably has to look at, like, if they want to have players develop and maybe grow, and maybe hope for that sale. You're gonna, I mean, you're always gonna want to bet that money on an attacking player. Which is interesting when you think about how domestically so many of our defenders and goalkeepers and defensive mids are the the players that you know get the call-ups to go and play abroad or you know be in some high level academy you know in in some other country like it's rare yeah it does seem like the u.s men's national team has had a history of some pretty decent defenders and goalkeepers but like the mid and attacking is kind of it's it's up and down. We're not I mean, always what, have the same gen, you know some of the the best players in the same generation always. I mean, it was before Christian Pulisic. It was Mr. Donovan, Donovan and Dempsey, and yeah. they both washed out really quickly in the Premier League. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I oh, they they did not have long careers in in the EPL. Compared to their MLS stats, no, no, no. I'm, and they were Dem- hated. Dempsey, or they were Dem- Dempsey definitely there. does. Um, he's got some some kind of fun moments over there. Um, you know, I wonder if maybe their their brand of just being an American soccer player maybe they oversold them a little bit. They kind of would have done a little better playing at a slightly lower level team, so they could be kind of you know, I want to say more of a focal point of the attack, but not just a role player in a sense of... Like we don't have the star power to to pull off those, like, look at me, pay all the attention to me, I'm going to take the team on my back here. Yeah, and it it was just because there's such a... There's such a hunger for, for quality 
soccer, I think, here in the States, and that so many people are watching the EPL abroad, that there is a draw to to have, you know, an American on your team. I mean, how many Chelsea Pulisic fans are there? <laughs> like I don't know. If you go on their forums, they any they anytime bashing. anytime he scores, it's like an earthquake goes off with the <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, but to, to back to the USL component of this, um, I'm I'm super excited. I think they're going to fit well in terms of the niche. I, I I do believe there's a scarcity of USL product um, this high up into the country. You know, I, looking at the heat map, the the closest clubs I think ge- geographically are going to be, of course, um, Hartford Athletic. Um, rest in peace to Tab Ramos's career just got got sacked. <laughs> I I mean that guy that guy has done so much for the men's national team. He's had his kind of fingers on the pulse of many of the the domestic products, youth academies. That that was a guy I was just like, man, when is he getting his big break? Hartford goes and splashes the cash on him and, you know, trying to make a competitive, you know, champion winning team this year. It just does not come together, and Tab is just disgraced and and you know removed from the club. Yeah, I mean they're they're in last place in the conference, so they're not doing so hot. I I but I'm like I when you see someone of that quality and he's given a little bit longer of a leash, is that just down to bad luck or is that I don't know I can't I can't say that I followed it too much. I did read up a little bit on what was happening. Um, he going back and forth between a four back line and a five back line, you know, trying to with one of them being kind of like a sweeper where they move up in possession. Um, a lot of the, some of the players from last year did not kind of move over. So I don't know, just a lot of change and couldn't kind of get any solidity. Maybe what R- do you want R- to R- do? R.I.P. Tabby. R.I.P. <laughs> we wish you well. And, Whatever you do next, but and you know also with Hartford Athletic, screw them because <laughs> you know whether they Ge- like it or geographically, not, it's just like there's going to be a rival yeah. right over there. Exactly. I, I've already seen in the um, in the Defiance uh, 1636 supporters group, which again those you know listening for the first time, uh, that is our supporter group uh, of our kind of ultra fans um, that are really propping up the the heart and kind of you know, voice right now of the fandom for the club, uh, they're already ready to go there. I, I think they I think they're completely content with just going there this year and just booing that club in one of their games just so that they can get in like get inside their minds now rent free and say, We don't even have a club and we're better than you already <laughs> like I, I don't mean, know we that can, that hatred's can go, already go onto the store, show up decked out in the gear and just <laughs> troll them. <laughs> No, I, 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 you love to see those kinds of things start so, so early on, you know, I, and we'll touch on the supporter group in, in one of the next couple of um, podcasts. I'd love to have, you know, their capos come in. We, we've met them. Ironically, they didn't know what we were planning to do at the time. And I wasn't, you know, going to say, hey, I'm starting a podcast and I want to interview you at one point. <laughs> but, um, but they're really good guys, uh, really have the right uh, sensibility, I think, of, of the project that they want to undertake. So really excited to see what they do. But but you know, USL, like after after Hartford, I think it's Indy Eleven, which 
one of the coolest names. We'll, we got to touch base on the name in a second here. Uh, and then I think Detroit City FC is the next closest. So Michigan, by geographic representation, maybe one of the closest. Mm, I'm not good at maps, man. I'm not good at maps. Philadelphia is not too far away. Okay. Again, Pennsylvania, that's a mysterious <laughs> place. Okay. <laughs> Who knows how that works? Um I, don't I, know. Think, I was mostly drunk when I was there. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Detroit is over. Again, users, school of straight, maps. Straight line is the... Listeners, yeah, if you know how a map works. you got to drive over us. a lake to get there, maybe. Oh, you got to go through Canada to get back to Michigan. That's a, that's a problem, you know. But but yeah, so I'm I'm super excited for... I think this fits the right kind of mechanics of, of putting a team this far north. Uh, looking to to really enjoy kind of that product as it as it comes out, but let's let's touch on this name for a second because you know they unveiled the crest last year, right? This isn't at this point this is old news, you know. And for those of you that haven't seen it, uh, it's it's at you know RhodeIslandFC.com. It's it's a really really great kit. I think they nailed the logo and the story. Yeah, the logo, it. the colors, I'm, I love it all. But as you're alluding to. Th- a little safe with the name. I hate safe. I I was hoping, and I don't mean any puns here, but I was hoping for a big splash. I was I was looking <laughs> for something that would have been, you know, part of the Rhode Island kind of eth- ethos or essence, and then also kind of going to to Rhode Island's, you know, or to to sporting uh, culture in terms of how we we name soccer clubs or, or or anything like that but what like what was worse to me and i i'm sure this is a, a hill i may have to die on but if you're gonna do it don't do football club do soccer like we're never gonna like i listeners i hate to tell you this but we're never gonna change to football football is a different thing in this country it is established it is more popular it is more successful as a product we need we we've lost that fight. Let's move on and fight other things that matter. This should be R I S C. And if they go and change these things now, I have a lot of work to do on like our social <laughs> packages. So don't change it. But um, I'm over the FC. Yeah, piece. it is a little bit of a, a losing battle when it comes to to trying to change the minds of of a whole nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and like you just. It's okay. If America does one thing well, we do our own way on things. But let's let's literally lean into being on our own on this. Like if if we're gonna be soccer nation, let's be soccer nation. And and so yeah, so but like let me ask you, just off the cuff, would you have done something else with the name? If like have you thought like, oh man, I could have done this and it would have been better? Off the top of my head, no, but I mean if I'm you know, if I'm coming up with a project for my own soccer team or working with a group of people, you know, I definitely would have shopped, shopped around, got some ideas, you know, taking a shower, got some, had some thoughts, you know, <laughs> as one does, you know, and, and that's, that's, what's really interesting to me is, is that the marketing group that came up with the logo, the colors and everything, I, I know that they kind of shopped some of the, the, the conversation on the team name, I, I think they were probably pretty early on established that this would be Rhode Island FC, but I'd love to know. I'd love to be a fly in that room when they were saying like, okay, guys, it's between the Rhode Island, you know, Cohogs or 
the Rhode Island, you know, lobster rolls. Lobster rolls. <laughs> uh, they're both trending well. Which one do we want to be? And anyway, they they look. They just went safe, and I respect it. It's not exciting, but man, I would love to know what those other name opportunities would be. Yeah, as one of the the first original colonies to tell England to go, you know, suck it, and then to just you know, go traditional and just take the football club from them kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah we, we could have done more, you know, something else. Yeah, and, and that's the crazy thing too, is, is like when you look at the names historically for the new England area, I mean, the revolution, that's a great name. It's a great name, but like even further back, you know, you had like the, the, the Minutemen, which that may not work out too well these days, you know, guns and, or the other kind of innuendo, but you had like the T men, like come on, like you had sharks, you know. Okay, maybe that's not great. Whalers, not great. But like, you you had other options just to go back to the historical one. In fact, uh, even though they're not and they're in a much lower division, um, but the back to the U.S. Open Cup with that that five time champion in the uh, Fall River FC, they were originally known as the Fall River Marksmen. They were literally founded by some guy named Mark, and they were Marks dudes. <laughs> and uh, oh, okay they weren't like snipers or something but I, I that kind of naturally progressed into that as you know mark moved on and off this mortal coil and uh so they're bringing that back so like they're just kind of inheriting this pedigree i don't i don't know what copyrights exist after 100 years but um but they're they're doing that so like i don't know it just again felt kind of safe whatever we're here now it is what it is it's rhode island of sea question for you do you think it will be more natural for us to see and hear RIFC or do you think it will be Rhode Island FC when like the clubs talking about themselves or like that, like natural chants or conversation topics, like which one do you think it'll be? I think they'll probably use the full like Rhode Island FC. They won't, they won't, sorry, not, they won't do the full Rhode Island football club, you know, maybe no one, for maybe no one's going to do that. <laughs> some, you know, some press statements or things like that. They'll, they'll, They'll bust it out, but I think RIFC will be more of like, you know, when you're talking more casually in a company who who actually know, you know. Okay, but do you think it'll ever be like Rifka? (laughs) 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 Not too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Too funny. Um, So yeah, so I'm excited to see, you know, kind of what they bring to the table. Uh, in terms of that part of the culture. And, you know, there's so many other things that we're going to unpack over the next, you know, several weeks of episodes. You know, we, we need to talk more about the stadium, not not the news per se, but the actual design and implementation of kind of what they see there. Uh, I'd love to get closer to kind of the the intent behind the team from a culture and community standpoint i think they're already doing great work if you've looked at their socials you know they've been at most of the major events recently um you know just putting the brand out there and and getting people excited i definitely want to talk about you know the coach cano's um strategy on how he's going to set up this team he's in a really interesting position when you think about it because you know not many coaches get to build from the ground up and when I was looking at the kind of dynamic of how USL teams are built, they seem to be kind of divided along this line of a lot of collegiate divisional talent that 
um, you know, maybe wasn't quite good enough to go to an, the, the next flight up. Uh, and then it's combined with uh, like one or two stars that are maybe on the wrong side of, you know, 35. Um, and then or they just have problems or couldn't penetrate teams, even though they have the caliber of talent. And then the rest of it's usually shored up by either uh, rejects from other soccer in America or it's their youth academy. And so, like, that's really interesting to me. Is It's like we, I've not heard anything about a youth academy design for Rhode Island FC. Like, And if, if they do actually do that, that's, you know, 10 years down the road, right? Like, that's Yeah, not, that's, not, that's not an immediate payoff. Right. That's something we're going to have to be looking towards the future. Right. So, but then you'll be looking at all of the local organizations from AYSO up to like, you know, the early division. Hitting up the local colleges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it really is more than just someone putting 11 names on a roster and putting them out there on the field to play. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to kind of learn about that. And then, of course, you know, we want to start being able to, to use this platform to interview these individuals and, and kind of get their direct hot take and let them be the ones driving kind of the conversation instead of us just sitting here and speculating on whether or not just we're going to have a season next nonsense. year. Yeah, get, <laughs> get some actual experts in here, maybe people from the community. So, so having said all that, what's like the number one thing for you? What do you want to see out of this, this project, this program? I'm just excited to have, you know, local soccer here. I mean, in, in local in the sense of not to drive out of state. <laughs> Classic Rhode Islander. <laughs> do you um do you think that it will become the biggest priority in your soccer acumen knowing that you follow so many other clubs and leagues and you know like you have a consumption for that do you think this is something that is going to to dominate your soccer love? Um, it, as, as of all things, you know, time will tell. Generally, I, I found that whatever is like my local team is like my main one. As much as I love like watching European soccer for just like the higher level entertainment to a certain extent, like not to say that like it feels fake, but it's not it's not the same when it's when it's not something you can really say like you know i don't live in england i don't live in germany you know what i mean like it's it's not the same i uh i respect that you said european football and didn't just immediately pronounce or profess your teams so that we would immediately alienate you know the new listeners that come on board and I'm like, what do you mean he's not a you're already, Liverpool? You're already, sell, already selling us out that we watch other soccer. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but that but that's true, right? When you think about other people who already are invested in like the Bayerns or the Liverpools or even, you know, the, the Arsenals. <laughs> <laughs> but um but understanding, you know, that they already have a passion for the game and those are the individuals that wake up at you know, seven in the morning, grab a beer with their friends and, and, and watch a game. And I, I think for, for soccer in America, realistically, it's, it is important to know that, you know, 
we're not going we're not going to be the superior product there's always going there's so much more money in history out there in Europe but what we want to do is be that kind of local alternative right cuz the enter like live soccer is something else compared to you know there's only so much you can get from watching a game like on a tv but to like that live energy with like when you have supporters groups singing and chanting drums and throwing flares in the state you know like the energy you get from a live game is you know is unparalleled defiance uh defiance 1636 has already showcased their multiple uh, smoke flares that they're ready to to bomb out on any any participating match that they're going to attend. So they're already bringing the heat. They're nice. ready. They're ready to mess stuff up and take names. And uh, I know we talked about this off offline, but I love the idea of you know like the away days where we uh, just go to our competitor club and and burn one of their boats like it's Gatsby <laughs> days all over again. <laughs> Just show up and <laughs> welcome to uh, USL. We're burning your boat right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be defiance. Take notes. All right. Just just start taking the notes. We got you. Um, but no, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I, I agree holistically with everything you just said. I think that we have an opportunity here. And as long as it's not squandered, I think that there's an ample space for us to win over the diehards uh, and the purists who have been watching soccer before Rhode Island FC came about, um, and then just putting that curiosity and 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 capturing, you know, the 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 curiosity of of people wanting to watch something that is different than what they're accustomed to, and I I will tell you this when I can stop seeing people on you know, Facebook, on news posts, on Reddit, saying, soccer's dumb. It's like a 1-0 game. Like, for those of you that are listening here, I'm not trying to offend, but, like, you need to realize that football, your gridiron football... It's... it's The thing is, it's just... It's not the same sport. And the prompt... Too many people compare it, and it just shouldn't be compared. Wait, wait, wait. It's not that it's the same sport. You want to you wanna hear the biggest lie ever told? Gridiron football is just as low of a scoring game as um, as European football. Divide by seven. Yeah, they just inflate the numbers, and if, their scores are four to five instead of our like two to one. If you make a if you make a touchdown worth three points, and you make a field goal worth one, so so a, a touchdown is two, conversion is an extra point. You could have you a look, game that's like, literally four to one, or four to two. And like people would be like, oh, but because that game suddenly becomes 28 to like 13, it was a high scoring game. Like, come on. If all of a sudden free kicks were worth two and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you score off a set piece, you get Ooh, five goals. Olympico is a three. Oh, that's no, that's 10. You score an Olympico <laughs> off a corner. That's 10 points, sir. If it's an own goal, negative seven. <laughs> Yeah, you could just make up rules and for make the other soccer team, high scoring team. Game. Yeah, if you score a goal, it's negative seven for the other team. So I, I, I don't know. I just I, I find it so funny that, you know, there's still this argument from, from Rhode Islanders too, who especially the ones that are against the, the tax bill, like, oh, you know, uh, funding for a dumb thing for dumb sport for dumb scoring, like not my money, not my backyard. 
Come on. Come on, guys. This is 2023. We've got a bunch of World Cups we got to host. Get your heads out of your butts. Yeah. Hopefully when they, they turn up, you know, you change their minds. And they'll be like, I have loved soccer my entire <laughs> life. I was there when Pele was around. <laughs> uh, Check out this Maradona tattoo. I, <laughs> I did a bunch of cocaine to, uh, to get it beforehand. Uh, too good. Well, I, I think I think as the first episode goes, uh, really excited to bring this product um, out to listeners. It's definitely going to be an organic process. We apologize for any facts that we uh, we didn't get right on the initial go. We can we can correct one already. Uh, Sounders did make it to the Club World Cup a few years ago when they won the champ uh, the whatever what our Champions League is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but they only they got knocked out the first round, so it's like <laughs> doesn't yeah. even were they even there yeah. then? Does no, they even just, count? They showed up and immediately went off. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like what our first appearance there, pretty much. Well, no, since that, actually that the, couldn't be because the, the tournament had won... changed at some point though. It oh, was not was technically before? the same thing. Yeah, we'll have to do some more research on that. But like I, you know. Or as a USL based podcast, we can yeah, just, just paint yeah, ignorance just, and say, what, what MLS? What? I don't, exactly. I don't heard of that thing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so if there's any mistakes, this is definitely going to be an organic process. Uh, we intend to release episodes once a week. Uh, we haven't really picked a definitive date as we want to make sure that works well with each other's recording schedules. Um, as there's a lot of moving parts to record a pod. I think I think sometimes people just think it's like two people on a cell phone just talking about their feelings and, you know, to, to do it at least decent. And, and I by no means am saying this is a decent podcast yet. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of equipment and there's a lot of work that goes into to producing something like this. So what we can commit is that when by the time you start hearing these, we will have these out once a week. Um, we just don't have that definitive date. Uh, lined up so listeners uh let us know what date you think work makes the most sense or what date you want to hear uh you know day of the week that you want to hear this and hear our our beautiful voices uh in your your listening ears but on that note you know jason where uh where can they find us all right guys you can check us out at rafc podcast on twitter we got one of those instagrams at raising anchor and we have a website name. We don't have anything attached to it yet, but we'll get that figured out sooner or later. RaisingAnchorPodcast.com. Yeah, we got we got to put the merch out there. We got to sell all the the stuff to to fund our our podcasting ways. But uh, yeah, so the website's not there yet, but maybe by the time you've heard this, it will be. Um, and we're just really excited to to bring this group news, uh, opinion recaps and kind of all things again related to Rhode Island FC. So on that note, I'm your host, Matt Entrican, and this is my beautiful co-host, Jason Carey, and we will see you guys next time. Catch you guys later. Later.